Hello everyone, I'm Samantha Jane Smith. And I'm Jacob Keynes, and you are listening to the Classical Queer Podcast. Join us as we listen to queer classical music from around the world, talk with composers, and explore the wonderful, diverse, and growing repertoire of LGBTQ musicians. On today's show, Jacob interviews the multi-talented and award-winning musician and composer, Jean Knifik. Jean not only writes classical music, but jazz, and he's a member of a rock band, and he's also worked with the best in the business. It's not only composition, Jean has played all over the world, both in his jazz trio and with the band Iverson. If that wasn't enough, they also teach at the Voice Lab in Chicago, a music and speech studio dedicated to serving the queer community. Sometimes I feel so inadequate. Here's Jacob. So we're here with Jean Knifik, who is uh, very graciously joining us for the, the Classical Queer podcast. Um, and Jean, you're in, you're in Chicago currently, yes? Yep, that's correct. Okay, so Jean and I met uh, about a year and a half ago doing a, um, a written version for the, the Classical Queer blog. Um, and I think we actually met through Spectral Quartet, which we're going to listen to later. Um, yeah. But at this point, I've, I've talked to, oh, Maeve from the, the Spectral Quartet and also mm-hmm. Alex Temple, who composed something as, as well for, for Spectral. So yeah. I kind of get lost in the loops of where I meet people at this point. But No, that's, that's, all, that's all accurate. Good. <laughs> it's all good. Good for my yeah. memory to, to remember. <laughs> um, so we met about a year and a half ago, but it's, it's nice to be able to uh, chat again and catch up and see uh, what you've been up to in the last while and actually get a chance to listen to your music this time rather than just kind of talking in abstract. Yeah, yeah, because it was the the premiere of that piece that I, I think uh, be listening to in a bit. Um, yeah, so I, I had at that point, uh, I don't know if it even had like a maybe like one run through of it or something like that. It was very very yeah, early on, so yeah, I know a lot more about it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be nice to actually like listen to in here. It'll yeah, be, it'll be good, but. Um, Maybe a, a a little short bio about uh, your your kind of life and where you compose from and play from and uh, catch our listeners up a little bit. Yeah, sure. So let's see. So you mentioned I live in Chicago. I've been here um, about six years now. Um, I come from a uh, uh, performer background. Uh, I'm a pianist, a jazz pianist. Studied some classical music. Got really interested in. Um, chamber music in college and um, just um, kind of went off the deep end uh, and just uh, fell in love with like just string writing in general so that's that's kind of been um, at the center of, of being a composer of that hat is um, and an arranger is is I write almost uh, not exclusively but but large part of my writing is for strings um, so um let's see um other things about me so yeah i'm I'm kind of i'm a little all over the place i i um i always i kind of like hesitate to call myself like anything when i'm like i'm a composer i'm like you know put like air quotes around that you know because i'm i was like yeah but i'm also an arranger i'm also a performer and also um you know work in a lot of different genres of music so i've uh 
spread thin, but it's been it's uh, a really um, it's been really nice to um, my brain is all over the place, and it's been nice to kind of um, match that all over the placeness with um, an, an interest in 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 the career. So um, yeah, I, I um, um, work so a little bit more condensed. I um, I work as a composer. I work as an arranger. Um, uh, on various projects. I um, uh, do chamber music, orchestral music writing, um, work as a gigging pianist, teach, um, and uh, play in a synth pop band. That's probably the most concise way I can say thanks. <laughs> That's pretty concise. That's the, you know, if we, yeah. what's the, the, the elevator speech version of, of bio right. is always uh, yeah. hard to do, for sure. For sure, yeah. Well, and especially since, I mean, you and I, I, I feel like we have like similar mentalities into working in the arts, but I mean, you work in so many different places, it is hard to kind of narrow it down to what it is you do sometimes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I feel like, yeah, I, I um, I think it's been been really helpful, you know, in a lot of, I, I you know, sometimes I, I think about how it'd be really great to be known to, for doing one thing and get a lot of work doing that and get really good at it. But also I'm, I'm just, I think I'm a lot happier this this way. And I think it, it I don't know, the, the whatever the 21st century model for a career in music, I think it requires a lot of, you know, a wide scope <laughs> of skills. Oh, absolutely. I tell this all the time to the, the undergrad students I teach that like for better or worse, whether it's positive or negative, like gone to the days where you, uh, you know, as a flautist are going to get one degree and then go audition for some orchestra and then work for that orchestra for the rest of your life. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. No, like there's not a thing. <laughs> know, five jobs that do that. Like, yeah. Really yeah. That's great. No I'm way. like so pumped for the people who, who get those jobs, but then there's, you know, 10,000 other people behind them not having those jobs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think it's it's maybe sad to watch the nine and a half thousand people who don't have those jobs who yeah. are, are sad and struggle with that. And then the yeah. other like 500 who've kind of figured out like, yeah, maybe they don't have that job, but if you play in a this band and can also play piano and like do this and then you play yeah. flute on the side and you play in a reggae band and then you... Yeah. I don't know, do a bunch of theater work. It's totally yeah, possible, but for sure, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's what it is nowadays. But yeah. you do a, a million things, which uh, I always love because again, that's that's how I function. So I'm I'm biased, but yeah, um, amazing. But uh, it's good to hear that you're uh, you're still doing all those things. That's, yeah. that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, you know, it's been an interesting for the entire planet last year and a half. Um, but largely, uh, a lot of the the same wheels have been turning. Um, I think last time I talked about um, working a bit at Abbey Road Studios, um, still work with that um, composer and uh, band leader, Carl Baldassar. Um, we did a um, large staged like production of, of all of those works where I played keyboards in his band and all of the Abbey Road stuff was in, you know, in the tracks behind us, um, big Jumbotron video mm. screen in the background, all that kind of thing. So that's still going. Um, probably talked a little bit about teaching at the, the Voice Lab, which is a, largely a, a trans voice um, studio, but also music studio. Um, still, still doing that online. Um, and yeah, still still doing some arranging elsewhere and, and uh, 
have some commissions in random places. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I remember uh, after we after we talked last time, uh, going to like read more about the the voice lab, and it's just it's such a like wonderful place that uh, obviously should exist in every uh, city. It would be so yeah. nice if every place had a, a voice lab equivalent to you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's really sorely needed, and um, I think you know it's this kind of thing is popping off will be popping off you know i mean everything with with kind of looping it into kind of like trans healthcare in general like there's just such a severe need realistically there's there's a, a boom in in young queer people um uh and uh trans people and you know just going through the experience of um trying to deal with the healthcare system in the states and i know it's it's literally everywhere has problems with it no matter what the system is um mm -hmm. um it's it's atrocious and everybody's suffering so we just it needs people need help in this <laughs> yeah it is i mean it's atrocious here too i mean i, I think obviously we have a very different healthcare system in canada but yeah. it's not that it's better it's just very very different in many ways right. um and i think we see all the time that there are there are people struggling so much with how to navigate it and how to have uh this major thing go on in your life with very very little support it's it's such yeah. a crazy thing to watch people try and try and do and so the more things that can exist like the voice lab they're like phenomenal like that's, mm -hmm. that's amazing that we can provide yeah support it's great absolutely and like yeah i i'm yeah i i'm just it, it, th that needs to be there as a resource and just i mean hopefully too just kind of like trans people running you know businesses like this and, and being more in charge of um this kind of care um so it's less of like trans people asking cis people for help but just you know it, it being you know provided because it needs to be provided and it's you know <laughs> by by people who've also needed it you know so yeah um, absolutely yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear you're still working with, with them as well. So yeah. that's that's good. Um, we have a few things to listen to. So we are going to start with the septet. Cool. Um, but maybe uh, before we listen, mm -hmm. give us a little um, rundown on its instrumentation, because it's maybe kind of a, an interesting instrumentation. Uh, yeah, from like absolutely. What you would textbook see as a septet, I suppose. Um, maybe like instrumentation and kind of inspirations, like where it kind of comes from. Absolutely. So um, instrumentation, string quartet, and jazz trio rhythm section. So uh, violin one, two, uh, viola, cello, piano, bass, double bass, drums. And the, the bass player um, uh, is l largely a, um, a you know, jazz bass player. I, I'm pretty sure has some classical training. But yeah, I, I was really interested at the time and years before um, kind of merging these backgrounds of classical and jazz. Um, and I had written a lot for you know, a lot of chamber music and a lot of, you know, for my own jazz groups and um, just trying to find intersections um, in the, you know, those two different styles of like chamber playing. Because, um, you know, jazz jazz trio playing, although it's, it might be felt differently and there, there are different aspects of it, there's, there's a ton of crossover in, in it being, you know, cha literally just chamber music. Um, and so um, finding the connections 
I, I noticed, I think, a lot of like older models of of crossover music, you know, um, combining um, jazz and classical music. It's like kind of one group gets pulled into the other. Um, so, you know, there's there's albums of jazz groups with with a string quartet, and the the string quartets are playing. Um, Solis, you know, like saxophone lines and things like that that are like, you know, it's it's a cool experiment, but it's it's idiomatically like not string writing almost, you know. Um, so um, I, I use that very loosely, not string writing. I'm not a <laughs> purist in any sense. Um, um, and then, you know, uh, vice versa um, with um, this like a Milton Babbitt piece where it's a you know big band, but it's like just all over the place. Uh, matrices and whatnot um but uh, um and it just doesn't it doesn't sound like jazz at all you know so, uh, things. yeah so um um and those are those are old older models and so newer model you know and other people are doing this as well but um basically just trying to have both the groups connect so so the um string quartet improvising um but in in more like tactile ways and more prescribed ways as opposed to like here's a set of chord changes um, and then, you know, pushing the jazz musicians to um, uh, play a lot of through composed things that um, have elements of chamber music, like locking up, you know, in ways that are do exist in jazz, but, you know, not as heavily um, as in, you know, basically, you know, like your um, canon string quartet writing. So, um, yeah, that's 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 the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was it was interesting listening to it. It. it... I think there were so many things that caught me off guard, like delightfully so, but like so many things that caught me off guard with, um, you know, like li lining up, like, you know, the piano and the string line, like all of a sudden like locks in, like that's such a neat thing to have happen. But amidst kind of a, I, I don't know uh, what terms you want to like call it, but like the polytonal or like postonal, like there's some moments of just like pure free tonality and then that kind of like lock back in and it's it's a, a wonderful like blending and a mishmashing of of things yeah yeah um i think um one of the things to i you know i guess tried to avoid is like while i'm i'm looking at the you know skill sets of the musicians and what they do and, and line up the stylistically i guess like um you, you know um so um harmony wise and you know uh, texture wise that doesn't necessarily need to be any kind of prescribed like of, of this canon of this you know whatever it is that can just kind of be whatever whatever comes to mind um and just keeping the functionality in the back of my head is like a um um just something necessary you know for, for it to work uh well mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it, it and I also am looking at what I what I kind of like. I tend to do like uh, word scatter plots when I'm like listening to things for part. I just like write down things that pop in, and I wrote down Hiromi Uhura because it it reminds me of so many like like her bass lines that line up with the piano line, and then the drummer yeah. like connect like that yeah. struck through to me. I mean, that is such a early two thousands just. There was so much, you know, low piano with with like you know jazz pits, bass. Um, that's just like a sound. Like there's so many jazz trios that, including hers, that that just dug into that. Bad Plus was a big one. Uh, um, it's this uh, Ashbourne Svensson trio, which is a great um, 
uh, Swedish jazz trio um, that existed around the time. There was this kind of like boom of, of groups um, that was super influential because I was like a teenager when they were doing their thing. Um, it was that was like the modern jazz like sound. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that sneaks in there for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think we're probably roughly the same age, and I was also yeah. listening to a lot of the same sure, 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 sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but it it uh, it works so nicely. But it, but I think I also wrote down that there's an urgent liveliness to it. It sounds so like I uh, like fun and upbeat and like positive, but it's so like tense in the same way like i, I kind of love that that awesome. weird dichotomy cool yeah yeah absolutely no this is a, a fun thing to play around with there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of just general juxtaposition there um as that's just was in the spirit of it so yeah yeah so uh we're gonna listen to it um right. and then i have a couple questions about uh like how you actually ended up writing it but but here is the um is do you is it just called septet is that just called it's septet. Full title? super boring yep septet <laughs>
So we just had to listen to um, Septet. Um, where where did you record this? Where was this? Um, this was recorded at uh, Ravinia Park um, for a festival um, up there, um, which is a little bit north of Chicago. Really beautiful um, uh, area. Yeah. <laughs> and are these people that you've worked, worked with uh, a bunch, or this is kind of like a recording session studio musician group? This was uh, specifically for um, a program uh, called Bridges, which was uh, it was uh, applied for a program, um, and it was uh, specifically for jazz composers. I think it was kind of geared towards people to like get a chance to write for strings, um, and so so they brought in uh, people, uh, really great musicians who all had some kind of connection to Ravinia because it's also um, like a summer program, mm -hmm. um, like a chamber music program and jazz program. So they, they brought back alumni to play play the piece. So the Avalon String Quartet is the name of the uh, string group and then um, various um, players in the, the jazz group. Yeah. Cool. Good. Um, well, the next one we're going to listen to is, is actually a piece by uh, your not classical group, Iverson. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to listen to the, the, the Void Within. Um, and maybe, because uh, I've, I've heard you talk about Iverson a little bit, and I've listened to uh, a fair amount of it at this point. Uh, awesome. Even even just a year ago, I suppose. But um, maybe explain explain what Iverson is and how you got kind of got involved with that, that band. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think kind of tying into uh, the queerness of this podcast, I think it's very relevant. So um, uh, essentially, um, I just moved to Chicago and um, was in a period w where I had very little work um, and had lots of free time and uh, reconnected with an old um, friend uh, who met at like jazz camp in uh, high school. Um, He's just been moving back from Nashville and a bunch of his friends were moving back from um, Boston. And uh, basically we, we came together and formed this, this group and it was um, really a lot of fun. We, we, we were able to rehearse because all of us were just like freshly out of you know university. Like we were rehearsing like eight hours a week or something like that. Just, just kind of in like creative sense, figuring out how to use synthesizers because a lot of said just like a jazz piano background and it was all led by mad scientist uh charles iverson uh who's the lead singer and writes the songs um that we kind of co-opt and arrange um it was amazing and like uh really eye-opening the other people in the band were very open-minded they're from jazz-ish backgrounds but also were composers and songwriters and and just kind of totally blew up my mind of you know of conceptions of music and so it was really great to connect with them but also something that started happening which i'm like literally just kind of processing now in the last year or so is like i started gender questioning around the time that that band was formed we started playing and um jazz is is where i was mostly working you know um 
aside from you know commissions here and there um in a performing sense jazz is where i was working uh incredibly hostile towards queer people and quite incredibly misogynistic uh transphobic uh there's very little room for people who are not uh a straight cis men so mm-hmm. um and that's a thing when you think you're a straight cis man like i did <laughs> um you don't uh you don't notice until you start you know um going to the other side <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I said, um and and um i i had this kind of I, I was very closeted in in all of you know whether it was like um playing with you know creative jazz music in in chicago or if it was like more like gigging, like jobbing, like weddings, stuff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, super closeted. And so Iverson was a chance to like play music where I could wear whatever on stage. So I just like cover myself in like glittery makeup and like wear mm-hmm. like a really tight dress that looked ridiculous and like, uh, and just like try that. And like at the time I was like, oh, this is, this is fun and exciting, but I didn't realize how like formative that was and how much, that I was using that as so much of an outlet for for figuring that out, um, and how I, it was actually I am kind of putting together. I, I, I'm kind of you know being forced out of jazz. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, unless I really want to fight for a place there. Um, being out is a very uncomfortable position that I just, mm-hmm. you know, don't really want to deal with, with a lot of, um, standard, you know, uh, people in, in, in the field. And so, I mean, like, I don't want to, it's hard to deal with enough just like in the world. So, um, um, yeah. So long story short, I, I really care about this band and this project and the music in it. Um, the band itself has um, the last um, couple tracks that were released. It's a new lineup, um, and the band is <laughs> from that new lineup, like kind of newly, newly queer. We, we like have, have like a like tongue in cheek that we're, like Iverson has come out, but like you know, like like um, <laughs> um, the existing members of Iverson have come out as you know in different different ways, and the new member. Um, is a queer person so it, it just dramatically shifted from being like like ostensibly like five straight dudes playing like synth rock <laughs> to like a very queer like small setup that's been uh really helpful i think for uh, all of us in in expression so yeah so that's 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 iverson it's uh <laughs> in short it's a it's a synth pop band <laughs> and uh uh are releasing music um sporadically as, as fast as possible um but um it's a huge labor of love this this uh track specifically the void within is really exciting in kind of the collaborative aspect of it so three members of the band charles iverson uh joey Meland, and myself charles wrote the song uh, i wrote string parts um for all of it um joey produced it um our really good friend um may feinberg who's one of the members of the spectral quartet plays strings all of the strings um and so it sounds like there's an orchestra it's literally just Maeve recorded and 
Joey's bedroom uh, uh, with, with this microphone here. Uh, and um, all the cello and bass parts are just pitched down. Um, and so uh, that was wonderful. And then it's also featuring um, this artist, Diane Coffey, who is fabulous, um, genderqueer, bending artist um, out of Indiana. Uh, of of all places, um, just tremendous performer, just myriad like backgrounds. Um, performs uh, um, Jesus Christ Superstar uh, at the Lyric Opera here in Chicago. Was a voice actor in uh, D- Disney's uh, uh, Kim Possible series. Um, <laughs> been in a bunch of I think a couple like horror movies. Just kind of all uh, was a, a drummer in an iteration of the band Foxygen, which is a really uh, big name indie band. Um, in the States, uh, incredible. So, uh, uh, Sean, uh, Fleming, uh, uh stage name, Diane Coffey, um, provide this beautiful vocal arrangement, um, to the piece. So that's, uh, that's, that's all it. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, where, where everybody uh, is kind of drawn from, I mean, first of all, my, my main thought is like, that's the power of synth pop is to, to make and turn everybody <laughs> queer, but um, I mean, c- case in point is Iverson, but um, <laughs> whether you want it or not, if you're into synth pop, that's what happens. Um, but it's also so great to hear I like that. I didn't I didn't actually put two and two together that Maeve was playing on that as well. Um and that uh I didn't know Diane Coffee, so this is a great find as well. Yeah, they're they're amazing. Yeah. I love yeah, them. Phenomenal. Yeah, very, very cool. Um and so this so this track uh specifically just just recently came out, right? That's only Yeah, few. it came out uh yeah, like between when we first started talking about this is uh, uh August sixth, so like Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah only yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's 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 great. So let's have a listen to uh, the void within.
it's it's like it's funny that you that you play in all these different uh, avenues because I find it's it's something I do all the time because it's so freeing and you can get so like blocked into a corner with one version of things and you know I work in like a pretty like classically world sometimes and it's so. I don't know, sad sometimes. <laughs> you get really, like, boxed into, like, a really... Um, I, like, uh, both both ideologically and, and, I guess, literally, like, conservative yeah. world of, of yeah. whatever that is. In a conservatory world. Conservative yeah. conservatory world. Yeah. And it's so important for me to be able to play all these other things... A because it like keeps my sanity and I can I can you know go and play in whatever band and, and do yeah. something that's great. But it also I, I think people don't realize how much it informs everything else you're doing. And I don't yeah. think people really realize how much um, you know like listening to synth pop like yeah, affects yeah. classical music and how Absolutely. you can like, change as like I'm a conductor primarily like how I change as a conductor when I'm listening and playing in other groups and it's so yeah. important. And I wish I could just tell every like classical musician who only plays in an orchestra, like right. just go play in a punk band for a while. Like, yeah, you know, for like, sure. go play in a ska band. It's really yeah. important. I, I remember just having this realization. Um, uh, I mean, it's not, not, not everybody, but I remember meeting so many great like string players and just, you know, chamber musicians in college and, you know, Realizing that like they rarely listen to classical music for as like for enjoyment, they listen to, like all mm-hmm. sorts of you know different stuff, and um, you know, and it, it's definitely helped. You know, you're seeing them now, you know, they, they have so many more opportunities because of it. Um, so not you know boxed into only being able to do one amazing and expansive thing, but like uh, um, you know, it's there's just. There's only so much room for it, unfortunately, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's really, you know, whenever any music gets super institutionalized, you know, as classical music has been for a long time, it's, it's um, it, uh, <laughs> you know, it lives in like this interesting box of like when you're at the university, you see it everywhere and you see all these opportunities and things like that. And then when you leave, it's like, oh, the world is so much bigger and the the classical side of things is still just as big as what I was saying before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, one of the things I also, every time, and I, it usually comes out when we're talking about like repertoire or whatever, but you know, when you talk to an orchestra about uh, playing Beethoven and yeah. maybe we can stop playing Beethoven. Sure. That no one <laughs> is trying to like, remove beethoven from existence like the argument is i think what is often so viscerally felt by people in in like a purely classical world is that you know by saying we should do concerts that also include you know female and feminine people and identifying people and like queer people and bipolar people and it's not that i'm saying beethoven shouldn't exist anymore (laughs) it's just like there are all it's of such, these other things. Such crazy fragility to think that that, you know, come to that conclusion, you know, and, and so many people do, you know. Um, yeah, there's so much uh, sexism, racism, homophobia, transphobia in, in, in the, in the you know, different different circles. And it, it sucks because, like, there are very few people who I, you know, have met that are, like, 
experience Beethoven and interact with the music and are like, fuck Beethoven. You know, like everybody, like a lot of people, they might not be their, their main thing, but like, I, just, I feel like I've come up with very few people who are like, are trying to erase Beethoven, you know? Yeah. Um, there's just, there has to be a more equitable future for composers. Jesus. Like it's, it's, it's honestly, it's 2021. My wow. argument is always also like, if, if we're, if we're only playing Beethoven and we're only yeah. playing Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven, a little Bach, yeah. and it's appealing to whatever a percentage of a, a city uh, that it's appealing to. So like, so yeah. affluent, straight, white, uh, heterosexual, Yeah, you know, maybe that's 40% on the high end of a population of an entire city. And then there's probably 20% of those people who have the money to go to the orchestra and then 5% who actually do. Yeah. Well, what if we played music by the other 60% of the people who are in the city? Absolutely. They could also go to the orchestra and we can stop saying classical music is dead. And we just can start saying maybe cis dead white men classical music is dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's just such a huge strain of like this dying, um, you know, white supremacist patriarchal thing, you know, that's just... It's just, it's, 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 you know, it's hanging on for dear life. And I mean, at the same time, suppressing and ruining the lives of many people. Um, uh, but also like it, if it, it just, it seems pathetic, you know, mm-hmm. like that's why I say hanging on for dear life because it's like, you know, who are you? The way I feel about it now is like, who are you kidding yourself? Like when you like beef up the importance of, of, you know, these composers, in the scope of everything, you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> Preaching to the choir, but maybe yeah. <laughs> uh, as a as a good segue, somebody uh-huh. who is uh, uh, not doing that and that then yeah. has a, a a wonderful idea of of what music should and can be is Sufjan Stevens, and so you yeah. have this um, <laughs> like really wonderful arrangement of of Arnica by. Um, by Sofian and uh, for those people who are not maybe familiar with Sofian Stevens, Sofian is a, um, I guess we'll say singer songwriter, but like a multi instrumentalist and, yeah. and a writer and a composer and a poet yeah. and um, just writes the most uh, ethereal, ephemeral, beautiful uh, things and and kind of wanders through genres as well and and has um, many albums at this point of of really groundbreaking music and and really. Um, beautiful lyrics that are associated with everything, and uh, absolutely you did this wonderful arrangement. So, can you tell us a bit about um, yeah <laughs> this one? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it was approached by um, Spectral Quartet, who um, just, just dream group. They're amazing people. Um, uh, to do like a, a a cover for them. So they they have this long-running project of different composers um writing they call you know covers like arrangements of of um songs a lot of them kind of uh they're they're like um kind of like like b-sides or whatever you know they're, they're not like your most obvious choices of 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 tunes um you know sufian is a pretty famous artist and um there are string quartet arrangements of a lot of his works um and um, he's worked with like incredible crossovers, songwriters, you know, uh, and chamber music composers, Gabriel Kahane and um, 
um, uh, Nico Mui, like people involved, you know. And so um, I feel like I did, did I, I wanted to arrange something of Sufjan's, but like had to like come up with a little bit of a more um, maybe niche. It's so, like a more something something a little bit digging into the discography a little bit more. Um, you know, to to come up with something special for the quartet, so they don't feel like, oh, here's another Sufjan Stevens arrangement. Right. You've, it's you've Chicago, this, you know? again. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and so I picked this tune, Arnica, which is just super haunting and um, super just kind of like on the subject of like like giving up essentially, um, and there's all this kind of stop start motion in it. Um, I think I imagine Sufjan, you know, that's, that's just, you know, part into the music of, of what the, the lyric is. And yeah, I, 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 I've loved that piece for a while and just kind of dug into like, how would this work for a string quartet in a way that would be interesting and really capture that, recording of the piece because i i couldn't find for the life of me of a live performance of it i don't know if it's ever been performed live i couldn't really find an interview about it that he's given um it really just the composition itself exists in this this recording so i was trying mm -hmm. to do um justice to that um if anybody's interested in in checking it out and comparing notes it's on uh, a, a long ep uh called all delighted people um the second to last track on there um and uh yeah so so just dug into um very kind of like so like kind of like tactile like textures in there a lot of like these like um you can hear almost like a like a creaking chair kind of thing which might also morbidly be like uh like a noose like moving you know that kind of sound there's a lot of like just kind of like a buzzing and meandering on um, various guitars on it. And so Spectral is amazing as uh, like, you know, new music ensemble, but like, you know, specifically like they're like, they have better time than like anybody I know in any genre. And it's, it's <laughs> fucked up and it scares me and I don't know how they do it literally. Um, and so I really dug into that you know, amazing skill of theirs to like really specifically place all of these meanderings that are very much improvised on the recording, but I was able to like really place them ry rhythmically in the score hmm. um, and dig into different, you know, timbres and I don't know if I'd call them extended techniques, but like, you know, just like into the instruments to, to um, grab similar timbres and, and, do it justice. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would just, I just watched it. I, I you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think it would, I, I don't know if they're like extended techniques, but like all the like sautiers and the like ricochets and all the like, yeah, all like so close to being an extended technique. Yeah. Yeah. That, that in kind a of very, thing. um, used in a different way for sure. And, and sure. accessing a different sonic kind of like timbre world. Absolutely. But it, it's funny you say that they, they are, they are incredibly tight. <laughs> they are like an incredibly tight it's quartet. Insane. Yeah. It's scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> nightmares it's, about it. Yeah. It is. It's like unnerving sometimes <laughs> when you like encounter these groups. I don't know. Do you know Alarm Will Sound as a group? Uh, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. 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 Also stupid tight. Just yeah. like very 
uncomfortably yeah. uh, good at what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, anybody who can it can do that kind of thing. I'm just it's 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 really scary. Like I I don't <laughs> I wish I understood how to do it. I'd try and do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's listen to uh, Arnica. Thank you. 
the recording just came out um, in August. Yeah, or the, at least that video that you sent. Yeah, so um, it was recorded at the Harris Theater in Chicago. So they did a really great virtual performance where they um, like really professionally shot um, five or six different works um, at the Harris Theater and um, you know had all the composers talk beforehand and then you know strung it all together and had like you know a zoom kind of live component of of the whole thing um so it was, it was like as as connected and well done of like a virtual performance as, as you can do you know in, in the time of COVID. so that happened in march of uh this year hmm. uh 2021 and then just kind of released it on youtube kind of separately as is a uh, thing outside of the Harris Theater website, so that's that's exciting to uh, be able to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, it, and it's it's such a it's nice to be able to finally hear it because again, when we were talking about it, it hadn't happened yet. Yeah, um, and so it was nice to, to actually put put uh, past conversation to actually listen to. It was, it was good to good to hear. Um, what uh, what do you have next? Do you have you have commissions on the go? You have recording. What's happening? Yeah, so. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> things you're able my, to talk about. Huh? Things, things I'm able to talk about. Yeah. Um, my mind is, is, is blank right now. I mean, essentially, um, diving into more work with, with Iverson, so you can expect more releases um, in the future. We have actually plans to record something with sport, Spectral Quartet, um, which is will be amazing. We've got to perform this arrangement once before in Chicago. So we're actually finally, finally making that happen. So that'll be great. Um, and then let's see all of that work, um, in the UK, all of those recordings should be trickled out over the next year or so, um, released, uh, under the, the, um, moniker Baldassar, which is the mm -hmm. artist, uh, Carl Baldassar. So you'll hear a lot of, a lot of orchestral writing. There's, uh, I think 40 arrangements in total. Um, oh I think it's across like seven albums or something like that. It's just a crazy, crazy passion project, but it's, it's awesome. Um, really excited to be part of that. Um, there'll be a live video from that that's coming out and yeah, just, just, uh, seeing what, what live performance looks like in, in the, in the future, you know, we're, we're just starting to tread into that water too. So mm -hmm. Iverson and little, little, little gigs here and there but yeah that's i think that's that's all um so i know on the horizon yeah <laughs> yeah i mean well we're all figuring out what the uh what the future looks like but it's uh i uh, pandemic timelines i suppose but uh, you know what are we, we're in august if you you know talk to us last last august what we thought the world was going to look like or what performance would look like or mm -hmm. whatever it's uh it's an entirely different story. So, you know, I tend to be a positivist. So at least I'm. Yeah, I'm absolutely. That, you know, no, yeah, it's really have different. To. <laughs> have to good, be. different. Have to be. And if there's any uh, 
any anybody out there who uh you know would need need strings arranged or needs their arrangements recorded we have this microphone in in Maeve and Joey's bedroom we're actually starting a small production company um oh, and, and doing and doing some of that so I'm uh I slash we are for hire <laughs> yeah as you should be a, a yeah. group of incredibly talented people doing uh wonderful arrangements for things yeah you should yeah. be for hire and people should absolutely hire you to do those things um <laughs> well that's exciting that's that's good i always yeah. love hearing new production companies this is great yeah <laughs> <laughs> well thank you gene for uh being here and thank you yeah, for uh, uh walking us through those three pieces and telling us about your work and no it's so fabulous uh, to catch up thanks for having me I hope you enjoyed Jacob's interview with Jean. Sadly, due to scheduling conflicts, I couldn't attend. However, I over the past few years listened to a lot of Jean's music and played it on my radio show. I just wanted to add that I'm always amazed at their ability to mix classical jazz and rock music, and I look forward to hearing more from them in the near future. So that's all for this episode. You've been listening to the Classical Queer Podcast, and Jacob and I look forward to being with you next month. The incidental music is courtesy of Jared Miller and the show was produced by Samantha Jane.